chapter 6 of the book of Acts. Last week we looked at the functions of the church, and, and we talked a lot about how we are to be together, uh, how we are to be united, how we are to um, uh, be in the Word, uh, a lot of beautiful thoughts. Uh, even as we looked at uh, Hebrews chapter 10, we, we talked about that, how we are not to uh, abandon one another, uh, lot, lots of beautiful things, but that's really about the, the functions and the nature of the church. Uh, but there is one thing that we did not talk about, uh, because it is somewhat of a heated topic uh, when, uh, when we get into it. But uh, today we are talking about how does the local church deal with issues? How do we rule? How do we govern each other? What does uh, the sixth mark of a healthy church? It is biblical leadership. Uh, and we're going to be looking at a couple different passages today. Uh, but the first one that we have is Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 1. And we will read through verse 5, and then we will pray, and then we will study this together. Acts 6, verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And when they said that, it pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you again today to ask that you would be with us right now. Uh, Lord, uh, I pray that you would help us understand what it means to have biblical leadership in our church. Uh, who, what that means of, of offices, what that means for functions of those leaders, uh, and Lord, even uh, how we relate to one another, whether it's someone just in the pew who maybe doesn't have an office of authority, uh, but the, how they relate to leaders and leaders to followers and all of that. God, I pray that you would help us here at Fairmont Baptist to be a biblical church, a healthy church, even in how we, we function within our leadership. Uh, God, I pray that you would help us to understand that you would humble our spirits today, uh, that you would uh, enlighten us even through your Holy Spirit to understand what your word says and to apply it to our lives. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, like I said, leadership, sometimes that's, that's a heated topic, especially when it comes to what does that look like in the church? We like to talk about the, the functions of the church because that's you know, something that, that isn't quite as debatable, right? We talk about being in the Word. We talk about being in prayer. We talk about being together. We talk about not neglecting one another, uh, pushing each other toward good works, all of that. Uh, but how do we do that when there are issues in the church? Uh, what happens when, you know, that's all, that's all the good stuff, right? Uh, those are all the good things that we want to be about and doing and active in. But what happens when there's some kind of problem? Who do we go to? What do we do about those things? Well, God is infinitely wise, isn't he? 
Uh, he, he has given us exactly what we need in the Word of God to understand how we are to function as a church in, in, in the aspect of leadership. So the first thing that I think we need to understand is how do we as a congregation uh, uh, fit into that, that, that formula, if you will. Uh, how does the congregation understand uh, what our roles are when it comes to ruling, when it comes to making decisions within the church? Well, the first passage that we have that really talks about this in the New Testament is here, this passage here in Acts chapter 6. Uh, right off the bat, we can see that there's a problem and we're, we're going to kind of come back to this passage in a little bit. So that we're just going to hit on a few things here. And then we'll jump to another passage and we'll come back later. All right? But there's a problem here of the Hellenists. Uh, that they uh, rise up against the Hebrews because their widows are being neglected in the daily distribution. It's interesting uh, that really the first problem that we have that's not an outside problem with the church is racism. Uh, that's the first thing. Uh, it kind of shows us a little bit about our nature as human beings. But the first problem that the church has within the church is racism. The Hellenists are upset at the Hebrews because the Hebrews are neglecting them in the daily distribution. So there's this problem. And the elders, the pastors, uh, and we're going to see as the, we talk about these things, that the elders, the pastors, are the apostles. Uh, they are the pastors of the church here in Jerusalem. And so they see this problem and they have a solution. And we'll come back to that solution later, but we'll see that the solution was overwhelmingly approved by the church. Uh, we see right off the bat when there's a problem and the elders lead in it, the pastors lead in dealing with that problem, the congregation is going to come to that problem and that solution. And here, uh, it could have been that they rejected it, but they, here they say that it was overwhelmingly Approved. It says that it pleased the whole group. Have you ever dealt with the group and tried to get something done? Uh, like maybe, maybe you got like a family get together and everyone's going, where are we going to go for lunch? Or, or maybe you're just going out with some friends and, and everyone's going, well, I think this and I think that. And there's all these different opinions and you're trying to be like, all right, guys, 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 we could talk when we get there, right? Uh, we just need to get there. So what restaurant are we going to go to? Uh, that's always a problem, at least in our uh, Heather's side of the family specifically. Uh, but everyone has all these opinionated people, but they don't want to make a decision about where to go for, uh, for lunch or for supper until someone finally... Someone finally says something, and everyone just kind of goes, okay. And, and there's that, that calmness, right? All right, this is the decision. We're all going to go there, and, and there's no longer any arguments about it. It's a yes from everyone, and you go and you follow through with that decision. That's really what's happening here. Uh, the solution that the elders, the pastors give to the congregation, they look at that and say, we, it pleases all of us. There isn't, there isn't a, a contentious thing that's happening. There isn't like a, a kind of twisting of the arm, any politics game. It, it's just the pastor says this, the pastors say that, uh, and, and the congregation looks at it and says, yeah, all right, I, I think that, that's a good way to go. It pleased the whole congregation. There's a yes from everyone. So right off the bat, we see that the congregation had to have a say in this. Right? I don't think that the, that the apostles would have gone through with this uh, if it was a negative. 
right? Uh, we don't have that. We have an overwhelming positive, which tells, again, of the apostles knowing the congregation that they served at and, and saying, oh, I think that this would go over well. I think that people will like this. We need to have our deacons, uh, this, this new office created to help in, this, in, in solving this problem. So right off the bat, we see a vote. Yeah, I said it. There's a vote. Some people, some people uh, like to debate about, well, all right, well, how does the church function within, uh, you know, governing and, and ruling and making decisions? Uh, and, and they say, well, we don't see any board meetings. Uh, we don't see any board meetings in the New Testament. Yeah, we do. We see it in Acts chapter 6, but we also see it in 2 Corinthians. I'll ask you to turn there. Uh, 2 Corinthians, maybe keep... Uh, maybe keep a finger over there in Acts chapter 6. Like I said, we will be coming back to it. Uh, but 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 and, and looking at verse 6. Now remember, uh, there were probably like four different letters to the Corinthians. Maybe you don't know that. Uh, but there was a lot of problems that the Corinthian church uh, dealt with. And, and in between, we have 1 Corinthians and we have 2 Corinthians, and there are some things that are discussed in Paul references other letters that they wrote, uh, that he wrote to them about issues that they were facing. And this is one of those. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 6, uh, we'll even start at verse 5 just so we get context. He says, Now if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. Uh, for such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough and he's referencing this other thing that he wrote to them about someone in the church someone in the church wasn't doing what what god wanted for them and they were hurting people and that happens right we uh, you most likely have been involved with a church maybe our church or another church long enough to know that when you get sinners together which we are sinners right saved by grace if, if you are a member of fairmont baptist church and believe in the gospel i, I uh, i'm assuming that you are a christian all right uh, but uh, saved by grace, but we're still sinners. And so when we get sinners together, what's going to happen? Sin, right? Uh, so there are going to be hurt feelings. There are going to be issues that, that we face as a church and other churches deal with the same thing. And here, this church in Corinth was dealing with that. There was some kind of issue. This guy was hurting people. And, and Paul says, uh, you know, yeah, he's hurting himself, but he's also hurting all of you. And then he says these words, for such a one, so for this person, this punishment, notice the wording, by the majority is enough. All right, here we have a majority, the first majority that we see. Everything else has been uh, unanimous, right? Like when we look in Acts chapter 6 and we have this vote, even the Jerusalem council and some of the decisions that they made there was unanimous. Here we have a decision that was made by the church, the church here in Corinth, that wasn't all unanimous. But he says this punishment by the majority. So here we have a church that uh, voted, right? How do you get a majority? You got you to gotta take up hands, right? And say whether we agree or disagree about something. So they, they had some kind of a vote. And there were some people who thought maybe we shouldn't punish this guy. But the majority of the church said we need to do some church discipline. And so they went and followed through with that. All right, so we have uh, the first majority. So there's some type of vote. And so be we're beginning to see here 
uh, one of the defining characteristics of, if anyone asks you what it means to be a Baptist or why you go to a Baptist church, one of the defining characteristics of a Baptist church is the autonomy of the local church. Uh, you might not uh, get that uh, kind of a fancy term, but all it means is self-rule. That we believe here at Fairmont Baptist Church is in our doctrinal statement. Uh, it's in our historical tradition uh, that we rule ourselves. Right? Uh, we, we rule, the members here of Fairmont Baptist Church, we make the decisions about what affects Fairmont Baptist Church. No one else gets to do that. There isn't some denomination out there who gets to come in and say, hey, uh, members of Fairmont, you have to do it this way. There's no other church or mother church, if you will. Uh, maybe a, more, uh, a bigger church or more influential church comes in, like other denominations even here in town, uh, come in and say, all right, you need to do it this way. No, we rule ourselves, and we see that biblically. We see it in Acts chapter 6 when the whole congregation was pleased with this, this decision by the, the, uh, this leadership, uh, by the pastors. And we see it here, that they have a majority in, in how they're going to discipline these individuals. We, uh, we also see it in the book of Galatians. I'll ask you to turn there, Galatians chapter 1. We've gone here a couple of times because of... Um, because of the tenacity that, that Paul has in dealing with those who are opposing the gospel. Uh, but I wonder if we've ever given it uh, thought about how it deals with uh, the governing of the local church. Galatians chapter 1, starting at verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. All right. Harsh, right? Uh, but it's harsh because of the seriousness of it. And we have people who are coming in and saying you have to do uh, X, Y, and Z and, and, and believe the gospel and then you can be saved. Well, the problem with that is that you are adding on to what Jesus says, right? He says, believe in me and that's it, right? Believe in and that's expressed through repentance, right? Uh, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to follow the law anymore. Uh, it's okay to eat shrimp, all of that. The, uh, the Galatians were having people who were saying contrary things. All right. But what he says here is interesting because what he says is, let him be accursed. How, how would the church do that? They would have to do it together. Logic, right? Uh, this isn't Paul writing to an individual. He, he, this is not like uh, the letter to Philemon where he's writing to a specific person and saying, I need you to do this, this, and this with Onesimus. He's writing to the church in the region of Galatia. All right, so we're talking about a plurality of people, a congregation, and when they are to see someone who is preaching a contrary gospel, they are to come together and make a decision. They, they are to judge this gospel that this person is preaching together and say that is contrary to what we've been taught. Let him be accursed. It's not coming from an individual. It's not coming from just the pastor. Notice what he says in verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men, uh, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and the God uh, and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. All right, so not an individual, not to the pastors, 
to the church. So we see very clearly that the congregation of the local church has final say. All right, uh, if you have your bulletin out, uh, that is number one. When we're talking about how does, how does the church uh, function within leadership, number one, the congregation has final say over the decisions of the church. Not the pastor, not the deacons, not the church board. The congregation together has the final say. Now, that doesn't mean that the pastor can't make decisions. It doesn't mean that the church board can't make decisions or deacons can't make decisions. But when it comes to big things, it comes before the congregation, all of us together, and we make a decision together. All right? Uh, so the congregation has final say. Final say over the decisions of the church. Yet, yet we have leaders, right? Uh, so it's not just that we have a congregation. Some people take it out of context and say, all right, well, we have a, a congregation, so that means that uh, we don't need leaders. All right, uh, maybe even some of our Mennonite friends uh, do some of this, where we have lay elders in the church, and there's not a pastor, but it's just a whole bunch of people in the church, and, and there's like a rotation in the pulpit and the leadership of that, and it all comes back to the congregation. Uh, they, they take a little truth Add on a couple other things, right? We have the congregation. They have the final say. We have the final say together. But we still have leaders. And they fulfill a distinct purpose. All right? Uh, let, let's turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. All right? 1 Timothy chapter 3. A uh, very famous passage talking about the qualifications of, of pastors and of deacons. All right? And let, let's just look. All right? Let's look at verses 1. Uh, through seven, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, maybe your Bible just says pastor or elder. The reason why is because we know from First Peter that all three of those terms are thrown together. They're just uh, they all mean the same thing. They're synonymous. All right. So the office of overseer or pastor, he desires uh, desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer or pastor must be above reproach. The husband of one wife. Sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, a snare of the devil. All right, so these are the qualifications that we don't see as an ideal. All right, this is not like Paul saying, hey, if you could find someone who meets up to these things or at least close to it, that would be great. This is not like a suggestion. Uh, when he's looking at the qualifications of pastors and of deacons, deacons we have 8 through uh, verse 13, we won't read it, but very similar to the qualifications of an elder, except that they don't have to be able to teach. We see a big difference there. All right? uh, but this is not like Paul being like, this would be ideal. These, these, are, these are the marks to, to hit for, and hopefully you could get close to them. This is firm. This is uh, required. It's... it's qualifications that you need if i were to go let's say i i hear via i don't know twitter or something all right there's a fire uh in saskatoon uh 
and I go over there, and I have my own hatchet, I've got my own helmet, uh, and, and I say, I'm ready to go in there, uh, do you think they're going to let me in? No, right? Because it's serious. It's a serious matter, and you have to fit up to the qualifications. Bodan, he fits up to the qualifications. All right, so he gets to go in there. He's been trained for that. All right, if I were to go there, it's not going to happen. It's not an ideal. It's, it's a qualification. That's what we have here. Uh, men of our church who fit into these offices of pastors or elders and, and deacons, they must fit into these qualifications. That makes it hard. That makes it hard, but that, there is purpose to that uh, because they are to be followed. All right, the, the elders and the deacons are to be followed. Let's turn again. I'm sorry that we're going all over the place, but that's what we're doing today. Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, so last week we looked at Hebrews chapter 10, but let's look at Hebrews chapter 13 and look at verse 17. Obey your leaders. And submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So this is Paul, I think, Hebrews. We talked about that last week. Uh, but he's, he's writing to congregation and saying, follow your leaders. Obey them. And words that we don't like today in 2017, Right? He says, obey and submit. Uh, Those are not fun words. Just ask the wives whether those are fun words or not. Uh, But this is what the word of God says. It says to obey the leaders. Who are the leaders? The guys we just read about. As Baptists, we believe in two offices. Two spiritual offices. doesn't mean that we can't have a treasurer. doesn't mean that we can't have other things. uh, Trustees, for example. Uh, But when we look about spiritual matters, elders, or pastors, another way to say it, and deacons. That's what we see in scripture. And so when he's referencing leaders, I think specifically he's talking to those individuals. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, why? Because a lot of people could stop there. I've heard many pastors (laughs) stop there. Uh, Maybe they had an agenda that they wanted to get across and they say, hey, obey, submit. All right, but that's not the end of this verse. All right, it's not uh, power in the church isn't given to puff up anyone or to get someone's agenda across. All right, um, uh, power is given for your benefit. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? For they are keeping watch over your souls because they are responsible for you. And that is when things get very serious. Why are those qualifications listed that way? Why are they not just ideals that, um, you know, hopefully that a guy could live up to some of those things? Maybe, Maybe they're a drunk, but they're really good at teaching or something like that. Why do they have to fit all of them? Why do the deacons have to fit all of them? Because of this. Because we watch over your souls. We are to answer to God for you. For those who will have to give an account... And just in case you're thinking, oh man, that's too serious, I don't like this, this is, this is not good, he says, let them do it with joy. Not with groaning, not with complaining, for that would be of no advantage to you. In other words, it's not going to do you any good. Alright, so we have leaders in the church. Deacons, pastors, spiritual leaders. 
And they are to be followed. They are to be, uh, they are to be submitted to, not just because of who they are, because of what they do. Because they watch over your souls. And it's not for their own sake. I have here uh, in the bulletin, power in the church is given to build up, not tear down or push away. Uh, power in the church. A lot of people. Uh, I think this is one of the big problems with, with pastors today and, and uh, elders, lay elders, things like that, spiritual authorities in the church. It's much easier to get power in the church than it is outside the church. Do you know that? All, all a guy has to do is go to Bible college for a couple years, and then he can come into the church and have all kinds of power, right? Uh, but if you were in the community, for example, uh, maybe some of you guys who maybe uh, have a little bit of a say over your neighborhood or uh, have a little bit of an in with the city council or something like that, how do you get there? Years and years and years and years uh, of helping and building up, and then you have a say. But here in the church, there's, there's some kind of attraction that happens, uh, specifically for young leaders, and, and, and they are attracted to this power. But we see it. It's not to build someone up. It's not to build themselves up, but the congregation. It's not to tear down. It's not to push away. So, here we have, there's congregation that has final say. And then there are leaders, deacons and pastors, spiritual leaders, who, who are to lead the way. All right, but how do those things interact? Because that's where a lot of churches get it wrong. All right, maybe, maybe they have uh, the... They, Congregationally, they rule, right? The, the governing. Uh, but maybe they don't have uh, the pastors and the, and the deacons uh, functioning well with that congregation. So how does that really happen? Well, I think we have to go back again to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. And again, realizing that there was a problem. There was racism in the church. There were the Hellenists and the Hebrews. And they're going at each other because uh, the Hebrews are neglecting the Hellenists. Uh, and, and the daily distribution, in other words, with food. Uh, they weren't getting the food that they needed to, or they were getting it last. And So there's a big issue here. And we see, verse 2, and the twelve. Who are the twelve? The apostles, the pastors, elders. They see this problem. All right? uh, they summon the full number of the disciples. Who is the full number? That's the congregation. All right, so here we're beginning to see these two offices in the congregation start to, to interact together. All right, they gather the full number, and they have a decision here from the elders. There's leadership happening here. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. In other words, uh, we're going to have these deacons, this office of deaconate is going to be uh, um, established here. And, and it's, not, it's not a question either. It's kind of interesting. All right, there's, there's a decision that's coming. There's leadership from the elders. But the congregation reacts to it positively, overwhelmingly positive. Right? Now, uh, there, there could have been some, some different opinions. Right? We all have different opinions. All right? But here we see that the Lord had done it in such a way that there was full consensus. It pleased the whole congregation. All right? So... There's congregational rule happening. There is uh, elder leadership happening. And it's happening in the same place at the same time. 
All right? It's, it's a beautiful paradox. All right? It's not that the pastor or the deacons get to rule over the church, but they lead and the congregation has the final say. That is what a healthy church leadership structure looks like. Where the elders and the deacons, they know the congregation well. They know uh, what needs to be done. And the congregation looks at it and says, we agree because it is right. And, and they go with it. Uh, and if it wouldn't be right, they should have said no. right? But we see this very clearly, that there is a need. These Hellenists, they need to be ministered to. right? These Greeks, they need to be ministered to. And so the congregation sees that. And says, yes, this is a good way to solve that problem. So we will go with you. It's this beautiful thing. And I, I sum it up this way. All right, that a healthy church, a healthy church leadership structure looks like this. Number one, it is elder-led. All right, so, so pa- the pastor leads. Uh, not in a bullying way. Uh, not, not with contention. But with humility, as we see, uh, uh, I mean, all the beautiful picture, pictures that we see in First Timothy chapter 3 uh, of him not being quarrelsome, him not being uh, a drunk, him not being, you know, argumentative, all right, but loving, right? What, what does pastor mean? It means shepherd. There should be some love there. So elder led to deacon served. The deacons are to be serving in the church. If we want to be uh, a healthy church, look what happens after this decision has been made between the, the, the elders saying that we need to have this thing and the congregation saying, yes, we give final approval. Verse 7, And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. What happened? The Lord blessed them. There is blessing there. Because they were functioning well. They were united in moving forward and solving the, uh, the, uh, the problems that they had within this church. So once they get the elders there and they're leading, once we have the deacons and they're serving, and once we have the congregation and they're ruling, that's number three, congregationally ruled. So elder-led, deacons served, and congregationally ruled. When these three aspects are functioning well within the leadership of the church, what happens? Success. When these biblical ideas are being followed and everyone is living up to their end of the bargain, where the congregation is not being shy, but they're saying, this is what we think. When the elder, uh, the pastors, they are not uh, being uh, coy about their agendas, but they say, this is what we think, this is a problem. That, and the deacons are out there, they're ministering, they are serving the church. When all three of these things come into existence within the local church, the word of God continues to increase. So, where does that leave us? Well, we have, we have things that, you know, sometimes we think, oh, well, we're doing pretty good. Uh, and that's true. Uh, we, have, we have ways to, to be better, right? We always want to increase in this. Uh, and I say that for myself as, uh, as the pastor to, to lead better, uh, for the deacons to serve better, for the congregation to rule better. So are we following this biblical pattern? And that's what it is, a biblical pattern that we see for this leadership. It's blueprints. It's blueprints of how to run the church. Are we following it? Are we leading biblically? 
for those who are in positions of authority. And I go beyond just the, the pastors and the deacons and the spiritual authorities, but others as well. Are we leading biblically? And what can we do to work together better? Where, where can we, what, what problems in the church do we need to get together and solve so that we can have what verse 7 says and the word of God continued to increase? So are we following our biblical pattern? Are we leading biblically? And what can we do to work together biblically? These are thoughts, not just for today. Uh, you know, so many of these things, if we look at the marks, uh, I hope that you remember them. This is one that we really need to work on together. Uh, because we want the word of God to continue to increase. Because we want to reach our neighborhood. Because we want to love each other unconditionally and worship our God unconditionally. And if we want those things, we have to do it together. This is how, this is how we can do what we talked about last week. If we don't have the structures in place and we're working well together, then we can't be together, right? We can't go to Hebrews 10 and be together. Uh, we cannot uh, push each other toward good works. We cannot, um, um, we can, uh, cannot uh, not abandon one another. Uh, we, we have to do those things through this, of working well together. So what is a healthy church? It is elder-led, it is deacon-served, and it is congregationally ruled. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I know uh, things like this can be hotly debated, uh, but Lord, I, I think we can see this clearly through your word, that this is how the church is to function. This is how Fairmont Baptist Church is to function. I pray that we would do that. I pray for myself that, uh, as the, the leader of this church, the under-shepherd of you, uh, Lord, that I would lead well, that I would fit the qualifications uh, for our deacons, that they would serve well uh, and in their own uh, way lead, uh, and that they would fit their qualifications. And for us as a congregation, all together, uh, Lord, that we would rule well, that we would make good decisions together in honesty with one another and sharing our own thoughts and opinions, and that we would make good decisions that would honor you and that would move us forward because we want the word of God to increase here, uh, because we want to have an impact for your gospel's sake. And I know that we cannot do that if we are not functioning well within our leadership. And Lord, we can always improve. Each one of us, in, in whatever leadership position that you have us in, uh, whether it's uh, pastor, deacon, treasurer, chairman, uh, fill-in-the-blank trustees, uh, Lord, we, we have so many, uh, so many leaders in our church. And I pray that we would all lead well and that the congregation here at Fairmont Baptist would be blessed by that. Uh, Lord, we want each one to be built up in the faith. We never want to take power and abuse it. We want to use that power that you've given us through your word to be able to build up one another so that we could be successful for the cause of Christ. God, I pray that you would help us to do that and humble us. Humble us in whatever way we need to. Uh, Lord, whether we, we need to realize that there's something we need to change within uh, our own hearts in, in leading or, or in following. Uh, Lord, if there's some kind of uh, separation that has happened uh, uh, between a leader and a follower or vice versa, I pray that we would be open with one another so that we could move forward together. Uh, and Lord, we want your word to increase. We want to, be, uh, we want to be used by you here in Saskatoon. And I pray that we would have the, the biblical pattern down, that we would know it, 
that we would do it, and Lord, that we would function healthily uh, and united here at Fairmont Baptist Church. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that it would impact each one of our hearts. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.